are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. And if you would like to read your own copy and to follow along, you can go over to Tan Books and there add it to your cart and use the code PODCAST15 at checkout to save 15% off. And after today's reading, if you would like to discuss it with others who are reading and following along, you can go over to Facebook and there find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group and there interact with other readers and listeners. Today is day 50, and we are reading from Book 2, Chapter 2, Paragraphs 429 to 435. Chapter 2. Concerning a singular favor which the Almighty conferred on Most Holy Mary as soon as she was established in the temple. Paragraph 429. When the heavenly child Mary had dismissed her parents and entered upon her life in the temple, her teacher assigned to her a place among the rest of the maidens, each of whom occupied a large alcove or little room. The princess of heaven prostrated herself on the pavement And remembering that it was holy ground and part of the temple, she kissed it. In humble adoration, she gave thanks to the Lord for this new benefit, and she thanked even the earth for supporting her and allowing her to stand in this holy place, for she held herself unworthy of treading and remaining upon it. Then she turned toward her holy angels and said to them, Celestial princes, messengers of the Almighty, most faithful friends and companions, I beseech you with all the powers of my soul to remain with me in this holy temple of the Lord. And as my vigilant sentinels reminding me of all that I should do, instructing me and directing me as the teachers and guides of my actions, so that I may fulfill in all things the perfect will of the Most High, give pleasure to the holy priests, and obey my teacher and my companions. And addressing in particular those whom I mentioned above as the twelve angels of the Apocalypse, she said, And I beseech you, my ambassadors, if the Almighty permit you, go and console my holy parents in their affliction and solitude. Paragraph 430 While the twelve angels executed her command, Mary remained with the others in heavenly conversation. She began to feel a supernal influence of great power and sweetness, spiritualizing her and elevating her in burning ecstasy, and immediately the Most High commanded the seraphim to assist in illumining and preparing her most holy soul. Instantly, she was filled with a divine light and force which perfected and proportioned her faculties in accordance with the mysteries now to be manifested to her. Thus prepared and accompanied by her holy angels and many others, in the midst of a refulgent host, the celestial child was raised body and soul to the Empyrean heaven, where she was received by the Holy Trinity with befitting benevolence and pleasure. She prostrated herself in the presence of the most mighty and high Lord, as she was wont to do in all her visions, and adored him in profound reverence and humility. Then she was further transformed by new workings of divine light, so that she saw intuitively and face to face the divinity itself. This was the second time that it manifested itself to her in this intuitive manner during the first three years of her life. Paragraph 431 
by no human tongue or any sensible faculty could the effects of this vision and participation of the divine essence ever be described. The person of the Father spoke to the future mother of the Son and said, My dove, my beloved one, I desire thee to see the treasures of my immutable being and my infinite perfections, and also to perceive the hidden gifts destined for the souls whom I have chosen as heirs of my glory, and who are rescued by the life-blood of the Lamb. Behold, my daughter, how liberal I am toward my creatures that know and love me, how true in my words, how faithful in my promises, how powerful and admirable in my works. Take notice, my spouse, how ineffably true it is, that he who follows me does not walk in darkness. I desire that thou, as my chosen one, be an eyewitness of the treasures which I hold in reserve for raising up the humble, enriching the poor, exalting the downtrodden, and for rewarding all that the mortal shall do and suffer for my name. 4.32 Other great mysteries were shown to the holy child in this vision of the divinity, for as the object presented to the soul in such repeated intuitive visions is infinite, that which remains to be seen will always remain infinite and will excite greater and greater wonder and love in the one thus favored. The Most Holy Mary answered the Lord and said, Most High, Supreme and Eternal God, incomprehensible, Thou art in Thy magnificence, overflowing in Thy riches, unspeakable in Thy mysteries, most faithful in Thy promises, true in Thy words, most perfect in Thy works. For Thou art the Lord, infinite and eternal in Thy essence and perfections. But Most High Lord, what shall my littleness begin to do at the sight of Thy magnificence? I acknowledge myself unworthy to look upon thy greatness, yet I am in great need of being regarded by it. In thy presence, Lord of all, creation is as nothing. What shall I, thy servant, do, who am but dust? Fulfill in me all thy desire and thy pleasure, and if trouble and persecution suffered by mortals in patience, if humility and meekness are so precious in thy eyes, do not consent. O my beloved, that I be deprived of such a rich treasure, and pledge of thy love. But as for the rewards of these tribulations, give them to thy servants and friends, who deserve them better than I, for I have not yet labored in thy service and pleasure. 4.33 The Most High was much pleased with the petition of the heavenly child, and he gave her to understand that he would admit her to suffering and labor for his love in the course of her life, without at the time revealing to her the order and the manner in which he was to dispense them. The princess of heaven gave thanks for this blessing in favor of being chosen to labor and suffer for the glory of God's name. Burning with desire of securing such favor, she asked of his majesty to be allowed to make four vows in his presence of chastity, of poverty, of obedience, and of perpetual enclosure in the temple, whither he had called her. To this petition the Lord answered and said to her, My spouse, my thoughts rise above all that is created, and thou, my chosen one, dost not yet know what is to happen to thee in the course of thy life, and thou dost not yet understand why it is impossible to fulfill thy fervent desires altogether in the manner in which thou now dost imagine. The vow of chastity I permit, and I desire that thou make it. I wish that from this moment thou renounce earthly riches. 
It is also my will that as far as possible thou observe whatever pertains to the other vows, just as if thou hadst made them all. Thy desire shall be fulfilled through many other virgins in the coming law of grace. For in order to imitate thee and to serve me, they will make these same vows and live together in community, and thou shalt be the mother of many daughters. 4.34 The Most Holy Child then in the presence of the Lord made the vow of chastity, and as for the rest, without binding herself, she renounced all affections for terrestrial and created things. She moreover resolved to obey all creatures for the sake of God and the fulfillment of these promises. She was more punctual, fervent, and faithful than any who ever made these vows or ever will make them. Forthwith, the clear and intuitive vision of the divinity ceased, but she was not immediately restored to the earth. For remaining the Empyrean heaven, she enjoyed another, an imaginary vision of the Lord, in a lower state of ecstasy, so that in connection with it, she saw other mysteries. 4.35 In the secondary and imaginary vision, some of the seraphim closest to the Lord approached her, and by his command adorned and clothed her in the following manner. First of all, her senses were illumined with an effulgent light, which filled them with grace and beauty. Then they robed her in a mantle or tunic of most exquisite splendor, and girded her with a cincture of very colored and transparent stones of flashing brilliance, which adorned her beyond human comprehension. They signified the immaculate purity and the various heroic virtues of her soul. They placed on her also a necklace or collar of inestimable and entrancing beauty, which contained three large stones, symbolic of the three great virtues of faith, hope, and charity. This they hung around her neck, letting it fall to her breast, as if indicating the seed of these precious virtues. They also adorned her hands with seven rings of rare beauty, whereby the Holy Ghost wished to proclaim that he had enriched her with his holy gifts in a most eminent degree. In addition to all this, the Most Holy Trinity crowned her head with an imperial diadem, made of inestimable material and set with the most precious stones constituting her, thereby as his spouse and as the Empress of Heaven. In testimony whereof, the white and refulgent vestments were emblazoned with letters or figures of the finest and the most shining gold, proclaiming Mary, daughter of the Eternal Father, spouse of the Holy Ghost, and mother of the True Light. This last name or title the heavenly mistress did not understand, but the angels understood it, who lost in wonder and praised the author, were assisting at this new and strange ceremony. Finally, the attention of all the angelic spirits was drawn toward the Most High, and a voice proceeded from the throne of the Blessed Trinity, which addressed the Most Holy Mary, spoke to her, Thou shalt be our spouse, our beloved and chosen one, among all creatures, for all eternity the angels shall serve thee, and all the nations and generations shall call thee blessed. This concludes our reading today from the Mystical City of God for Day 50. Today we read from Book 2, Chapter 2, Paragraphs 429 to 435. The very first thing Mary does when she takes her place in the temple is she gives thanks to God 
for the gift that God is now giving her as she is able to remain there, as she's able to learn and study and all of these things, as she's able to pray in this holy place. And so that's a good encouragement for us, I think, to give thanks to God for all situations that we find ourselves in, that when we arrive at a place, we say, well, I thank you, Lord, for bringing me here this day. At the beginning of a new day, I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to serve you another day. Mary is filled with gratitude for this position that God is calling her. Now, we also heard in the very first sentence today that when the heavenly child Mary had dismissed her parents and entered upon her life in the temple, her teacher assigned to her a place among the rest of the maidens. And it's kind of funny, I missed this in our reading just two days ago when Mary arrives at the temple, the reading said that the prophetess Anna was to be her instructor and that the prophetess Anna was going to be the one who overlooked her and took care of her. And remember, the prophetess Anna is the one from the presentation in the temple. And so this connection of Mary from a young age then to the prophetess Anna. And that was just something that hit me. I, I didn't realize it until I was editing it. And I said, oh, wow, that's amazing. So just think here that upon her life in the temple, she entered and her teacher assigned to her a place among the rest of the meetings. Well, that teacher was the prophetess Anna in this account of the Venerable Maria Vagrida. Here's another line that we can reflect on today. I desire thee to see the treasures of my immutable being and of my infinite perfections, and also to perceive the hidden gifts destined for the souls whom I have chosen as heirs of my glory and who are rescued by the lifeblood of the Lamb. And so this is God speaking here. The lifeblood of the Lamb, that's going to be Jesus. But yet that salvific action of Jesus hasn't taken place yet. Mary's just in the temple. It hearkens us back to that reality of the Immaculate Conception in which God foresaw the merits of the cross and applies them to Mary. And so God is able to say this to the child Mary and to Maria of Agreda, whom I have chosen as heirs of my glory and who are rescued by the lifeblood of the Lamb. Because God has known this plan. God knows that Mary will be the mother of the Savior of the world, who will become the Lamb of God, who will give his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. She asked of his majesty to be allowed to make four vows in his presence of chastity, of poverty, of obedience, and of perpetual enclosure in the temple. So again, yesterday we heard in our reading and we reflected about the fact that the presentation of the temple is like a woman going to the monastery. And so even here, Mary, I want to be perpetually enclosed. Well, she's going to have to leave the temple. That's customary. Although, of course, the prophetess Anna is there as an older woman, as we know in her story. And so she wants to have this. And God doesn't give it to her in a sense. God says, well, you can have the chastity, you can have the poverty, you can have obedience, and just appreciate what you have right now. The vow of chastity I permit, that's one of the things told to the child Mary. And that's why she's able to say on the day of the Annunciation that how can this be since I do not know man? 
because she had taken this vow of chastity in the temple. It's what St. Augustine says. It's what the other church fathers write about. And so we see it here in this account as well. And then we see the different things being placed on Mary. Again, very symbolic of different things as we heard. Symbolic of her virtue, of her faith, her hope, her charity, etc. And then we heard the Most Holy Trinity say to Mary, Thou shalt be our spouse, our beloved and chosen one among all creatures for all eternity. The angels shall serve thee, and all the nations and generations shall call thee blessed. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit already giving to Mary those words. All generations will call me blessed. So that when Mary at the visitation says these words, maybe she already heard them spoken to her by God and that's why she's able to say, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. From this day on, all generations will call me blessed. Because God told her this. God revealed this to her in the temple. All nations and generations shall call her blessed. And the angels, they shall serve her. Well, think about what we've already heard, the different angels that are protecting the child Mary. Think about the assumption of Mary, how the angels lift her, take her up body and soul. The great joke, how do you tell the difference between the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption in artwork? The angels are working harder in the Assumption. The angels are serving her because she's the queen of angels and they're bringing her up into eternal life. A lot for us to think about here in just these few paragraphs we've heard today. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. I look forward to being with you, and until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.